Wow. Linda, have another drink. <laughs> I like you. You are a lush. <laughs> you are a Holy Ghost lush. <laughs> See, God puts these things in the body to uh, stir up the righteous and to offend the religious. <laughs> Sometimes a lot of both, a little of none, but it works, doesn't it? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. How many of y'all um, got a chance to be here last Sunday night? Wasn't that wonderful? I love to see whenever different expressions of ministry begin to merge together and it becomes a team effort. I really, if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. We had a lot of things ushered out, didn't we? <laughs> That was very good. I want to thank Dorman and Jana for giving a platform for that to open. Ross and Kimmy, we bless you. I'm glad to see you here today. <laughs> that new life is starting to move around a whole lot more. <laughs> um, Pam, there was something last Sunday afternoon that God stirred in me. Um, just advertisement number one, if you want to see some absolutely be- cute, beautiful, adorable puppies, <laughs> go to her house because she... Uh, Pam didn't have them, but her dog did. <laughs> and uh, they're the most beautiful things. And um, the Lord starts stirring me something in for particularly you and your daughter, Joanna. And that uh, your home is a birthing stool. And your home is a safe place for new life to be birthed. And uh, those puppies aren't just beautiful in the natural, but they are an expression of the kingdom of God. It's a safe place. And for everyone that you haven't come in contact with with those dogs, it's a divine appointment. So release the grace of God over them. And wherever those dogs go and wherever you go, because, you know, God loves our animals. Otherwise, he wouldn't have had Noah built that ark. And your home is an ark. It's a safe place. Just remember that. You carry that anointing for birthing beautiful things. But now, stand up. You don't have to call me sir, I'm just Mike. Mm. (laughs) Um, Vanette, there's been something that's been kind of rolling around in me for about the last six months. And um, come come up here. Mm. I'm scared of those earrings. (laughs) You're ready to fly. (laughs) Um, What the Lord wants to do today is to give you a holy ordination service. Now, see, there are, I, I've heard you say before you said yes, I, I realize that you flow in prophecy, but you are more than that. See, the book of Ephesians says that God said in the body, son to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And that is a foundation for a servanthood ministry for the body. And um, you don't just flow in prophecy. Hmm. You are a prophet. Hmm. And I release that mantle on you right now in Jesus' name. And in this body, and I can speak for Dorman and Jana, hmm, we receive you as one that carries the word of the Lord. Hmm. And we receive you and we loose you to release that word of the Lord. Hmm. And see, when prophets begin to speak, things start shifting. Hmm. And see, a true sign of the prophet is when they can go stand alone somewhere without somebody holding their hand and begin to speak and something happens. 
That's the true sign of a prophet. So I release you to that. And those earrings are very prophetic today. It's the sign of the dove. The olive branch is extended over you. And I declare that you be the prophet of peace and the prophet of prosperity in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Amen. 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 Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, you didn't have to go to a seminary to do that. But you just had to spend a lot of years in the wilderness, though, didn't you? <laughs> it's okay. It's, that wilderness is over. You and I both know that. It's raining. Um. There's been on several occasions when I've had the opportunity at, at encounters, and some of y'all have in this room have been there, that um, I, I love sharing the talk on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I, I really like that one. And um, in that here about a year ago, I begin to see uh, something that started stirring in my spirit. And it's about this one name that has about three scriptures in the Old Covenant and probably takes up about three chapters in the book of Hebrews. And uh, this gentleman's name is Melchizedek. And you don't see very much about him in the book of Genesis, but you read a whole lot about him in the book of Hebrews. And, and in fact, the book of Hebrews is kind of one of these books that's it's kind of like the book of Leviticus, set right in the middle of the New Testament. All of a sudden you have all these writings of Paul, and then you have the book of Hebrews. And um, there's not really anyone that we can say that took credit for writing it. We have some, you know, good guesses, but it doesn't really say who wrote the book of Hebrews. So we can safely say that the Holy Spirit wrote the book of Hebrews. And how it wound up on paper was his divine appointment and his divine will. And um, it really explains the shifting of this priesthood from the priesthood of Aaron to the priesthood of Melchizedek. And see, in Second Peter, uh, it says that you, uh, uh, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, to show forth the praises of him. Well, what priesthood is that talking about? You know, I believe Peter was referring back to the priesthood of Melchizedek. So if you, uh, to understand the priesthood of Melchizedek, let's go to uh, Genesis uh, chapter 14. Let me get my... And um, at this point, um, Abram had appeared on the scene. His name had not yet been um, shifted to Abraham. But Abraham had come back from a uh, big hoopla, big brouhaha with a bunch of demonic kings. (laughs) And his nephew Lot had gotten captured by some of these kings. And so Abraham went and rescued him out. And they were coming back on their way home. And in verse 18, it starts out, it says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of the Most High God. And he, Melchizedek, blessed him, Abram, and said, Blessed be Abraham, the God of the Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. It says, And he gave him a tithe of all. And the tithe that he gave him or the offering that he gave him was the spoils of war that they had just taken from these kings that are mentioned in in the earlier verse in chapter 14. Um, Most of these kings that are mentioned there were direct descendants of Cain. Hmm. You know, the one that slew Abel, that's where most of they came from. They descended from Cain. So there's some things I want you to notice here about Melchizedek. 
there's a couple questions, you know, I, I've asked. I said, who, else, who is Melchizedek and what was he sent here to do? So you read out here in verse 18, the first thing Melchizedek did when he came into Abram's presence was that he offered him communion. Thank you, Eric, for hearing the Lord and doing communion today. <laughs> he offered him communion. Now, see, Abram had not yet had an encounter with, with, with what we would say Holy Spirit. He was not yet able to be born again. His name was still under uh, that of his old um, Chaldean name, you know, his, uh, his pagan name. But God spoke to him, and Abram believed that he heard the voice of the Lord. And the word says that because Abram believed, it was accounted to him as righteousness. Even before he had the exchange of names, it was righteous to him because he believed that he heard God. It says he brought out bread and wine, and he said he was the priest of the Most High God. I want you to see here that there is no record of Melchizedek's birth. There is no really any biblical record of his death. He just showed up, and he offered friendship and covenant with someone who was a stranger and an alien in a foreign land, but offer him the covenant of righteousness with the Most High God. And he blessed him. Blessed be Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him an offering. I want you to see the first blessing that Melchizedek did was he brought deliverance to Abram. He wasn't yet spiritually enlightened, but God reached out to him. See, Abram didn't find Melchizedek. Melchizedek found Abram. Is that just not like our Jesus? Even when we couldn't find him, he came and he found us. Amen. It says, and he gave him a tithe, he gave him an offering of all. Now the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread or uh, to a sandal strap, and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. Except only that the young men who have eaten and the portion of the men who went with me, um, let's see, Aner, Eskel, and Mamre, uh, let them take my portions. In other words, he said, King, would you pay their traveling expenses? Pay their food and their shelter, and then everything else is okay. I'll, t- I'll take care of the rest of that myself. Now, I want to tell you some things that begin to happen to Abram after his encounter with Melchizedek. He was Abram before, and in Genesis 15, says God re- uh, this is chapter where God revealed his covenant promises to Abraham, the next chapter. The, f- a- the first thing, after deliverance, the next thing that came to Abram after his encounter with Melchizedek was revelation. In Genesis 17:5, this is where Abram's name was changed to Abraham, and Abraham changed Sarah's wife from Sarai to Sarah. Their names were changed, and the same word that was added to their name was the same word for ruach, or spirit. Abram became Abraham. Sarai became Sarah. See, this right here, a ministry of exchange just happened. They were something, and Melchizedek gave them something new. They didn't have their old name anymore. They had a new name. And no more do you hear Abram referred to as Abram, but it's Abraham. Abraham. Third thing I saw that happened was that number, uh, number three, that Abraham received the promise of a son, an heir. Hmm. Not through Hagar but through Sarah, 
her new name, Sarah. Number four, there was deliverance from the enemies. Abraham's nephew, Lot, seemed to get into a whole lot of trouble because he thought the grass was greener on the other side of the hill. And maybe it would have been, but there were also a bunch of demons living in that land too. Anybody ever thought you were going to go to someplace better and you found out there's a bunch of demons there? And like, Lord, why did I move here? Abraham, Abraham yeah, deliverance was provided for him after he met Melchizedek. Uh, Genesis, uh, in Genesis chapter 20, it says... Abraham received uh, uh, 1,000 pieces of silver from Abimelech. See, there was exchange of silver. I believe that this act right here, this exchange of silver, set the precedence for Jesus' exchange of silver some centuries ahead later for our redemption. Abraham was given silver for a form of redemption. Judas was giving silver for a form of redemption. And um, if you'll read Abimelech, he declared that Abraham, in a dream that, Abra- that Abimelech had that night, God spoke to Abimelech. Now, Abimelech wasn't even a believer. He was an unbeliever. He wasn't even yet born of the Spirit, but God spoke to him a dream and basically said, don't mess with my son Abraham, for he is a prophet. He is a prophet. See, all of a sudden, after Abram, Abraham met Melchizedek, there was a new mantle come upon him, not just a new name. But he's the first one in the Bible mentioned to as a prophet. Everything Abraham said and prophetically declared from this point on after he met Melchizedek, it happened and it came to pass. In Genesis 20 verse 17, Abimelech was healed because he had Sarah's wife had taken her into their camp. He had not known her, but he still had possession of her, or Abraham's wife, Sarah, and he let her go. And God, he says, God had shut up the wombs of those in the camp. So after Sarah was released, Abraham got his possessions back. Healing came to Abimelech and his crowd. And they weren't even believers. Now, how much more is this not the grace of God? This was not even under, a covenant had not yet even been established. But God healed that camp and they bore children. Now, is that not God's grace? Amen. In Genesis 21, Isaac was born. After he met Melchizedek, the promise was prophesied and the promise was fulfilled. The son came along. In Genesis 22, this is where Abraham took his son Isaac up. And this very act right here, when he took him to Mount Moriah, was the old covenant antecedent of Jesus going to the cross. The same place where Abraham took Isaac was the same place where Jesus hung on that cross. That was the same place of exchange. Right here and there, there was the exchange of a ram for the son. There was our redemption made right here. All because Abraham believed God and he had an encounter with Melchizedek, the priest of the Most High God. In Genesis 22, Abraham receives the promise of increase in family and territorial expansion. All after he met Melchizedek. Well, who is this character? There's so little said about him, but all these things begin to happen. And Abraham came into great wealth and a great blessing after he encountered this priest of the Most High God. Well, I'm going to give you my personal feeling, and I could be wrong, and if I am, I can be corrected, please. But I believe that Melchizedek was an Old Testament type and shadow of Jesus appearing to Abram. See, Melchizedek means Prince of Peace, or Prince of Salem, Prince of Shalom. Who is the Prince of Peace? It is Jesus. 
Melchizedek had no record of beginning. He had no record of his death. Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega and the beginning and the end. Melchizedek, I believe, when Abraham gazed into the face of Melchizedek, I believe that he gazed into the exact portrait and the exact person of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And God loved him so much that he let Abraham see an appearance of something so beautiful that would happen years later that Abraham might not be on this earth to see it, but by faith he was sitting in the heavenlies in the book of Hebrews. He was part of that great cloud of witnesses that saw what happened. Amen. I I, I think I would like a run-in with Melchizedek, don't you? Because a lot of good stuff started to happen. Okay, let's go on. Uh, Let's fast forward to the book of Hebrews. Hello. Who is it, Michelle? It's your grandbaby. Okay, in Hebrews chapter 4. Sorry. Uh, Let's start at verse 14. Hmm. Um, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy to find grace and help in the time of need. Uh, Chapter 5, verse 1. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men and things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this, he is required as for the people so also to offer himself sacrifices for sins. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God just as Aaron was. In in verse 5, it says, So Christ also did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son, today have I begotten you. And he also says in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, in Hebrews, as I was studying going through this, there is five times that the writer of this says, according to the order of Melchizedek. It does not say according to the order of David or according to the order of Christ. It said according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, once again, this, little, this gentleman who had about three verses in the, new co- in the Old Covenant all of a sudden comes to the highlight and on the major screen uh, of, of movies here in the New Covenant in the book of Hebrews. And see, going in, chapter, in verse uh, 7, who in the days of his flesh, when he had taken, had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Called by God as high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek of whom we have much to say and hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. Now, this was written to believers in the church. And if we go on in chapter 5, starting verse 12, the writer begins to speak about spiritual maturity, about things that you ought to know as a foundation, but they couldn't. And I think one of the major reasons why is because they had entered back under law, under the old covenant. They wanted to go back under the priesthood of Aaron 
and not go back uh, and not shift to the priesthood of Melchizedek, that of our living Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. And in chapter 6, verse 1, the writer of this starts talking about what happens whenever you don't progress and go on and when you want to go backwards and go back under the old. It says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on hands, of resurrection from the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. Saints, there's one thing you need to forever settle in heaven. Jesus died one time, and he did it right the first time. And he was resurrected one time, and he doesn't need to bleed anymore. He has bled enough. Over here, you, keep, you go on further. It talks about you know crucifying our Lord of glory again. When you go back under the law, and when you go back under the belief of the old covenant... You have put yourself under the blood of bulls and goats and rams. And the only way to sustain that is to do it every morning at 9 and every afternoon at 3, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week for the rest of your life. And then whenever you die, someone has to take over. Hmm. It boosts the cattle industry, wouldn't it? (laughs) It boosts the economy in some ways, it would. But it's a lot of work and it's a lot of sweat. And it's a lot of toil. See, when Melchizedek showed up, Abraham, of course by then he was, he was still Abram, he didn't do nothing. Now tell me he wasn't tired and, and that, that he was physically probably worn out from that battle. He took some warriors with him, but he put his life on the line. Tell me that he was not in a place of where he needed some ministry and restoration coming back from a war. Hmm. And all of a sudden, this man Melchizedek meets him and gives him everything he needs in giving him that communion, that bread and wine. See, in some places where I read, they said Melchizedek took that bread and wine from himself. I mean, have you ever tried to carry a loaf of bread and a bottle of wine out in the middle of the desert? You know, and it's just you. You know, if you, they didn't have them little tote sacks back then like we get at the grocery store today. He took of himself and gave to Abram when he was still not yet renewed again in his heart. Now, is that not the grace of our God? Saints, I used to believe that you had everything all right just before you could receive a healing or you could receive this. We've got to do all these things. And, you know, if you don't forgive, you can't be forgiven. I'm getting delivered from that mess because it just ain't true. And I want to tell you, God is full of mercy. And when you can't find him and you can't reach out to him, that's when he's going to meet you at the most right then and there. In your biggest mess and in our biggest messes and in your place of the biggest warfare, look for Melchizedek to show up. That's when we need it the most. Amen. It says in the book of Hebrews here, come boldly to the throne of grace in the time of need. Come boldly. Don't run away. When you've gotten in a mess, that's a time you need to run on in because there ain't a veil anymore. Amen. It has been torn. There ain't no more blockages you've got to go through. There ain't no more priests you've got to satisfy. Just run on in there and get on top of that mercy seat and enjoy his blessings. Amen. Okay, let's go over here in Hebrews to chapter 7. 
uh, verse 1. It says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who made Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of, uh, of all, first being translated king of righteousness and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made the, like the Son of God, a, a, a remains a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. And indeed, those who are the sons of Levi, who receive the priesthood, have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law, that is, from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. But he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Now beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Here mortal men receive tithes, but where there he receives them of whom it is written that he lives. Even Levi, who received tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Verse 11, Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also a change of the law. Saints, this is of all, if anything I can teach and impart to you today, is that when there was a change in the covenant and there was a shift in the covenant, there was a shift in the priesthood who ministered over that covenant. See, saints, you cannot come through the priesthood of Aaron and receive the priesthood of Melchizedek. It is not possible because that covenant and that anointing is not on that old anymore. It's there and it functions greatly across America, more than I'd like to say so. But the anointing is not on the priesthood of Aaron anymore. It is on the priesthood of Melchizedek, of whom is our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. See, there are some differences in that, that I started noticing between the Aaronic priesthood and the Melchizedek priesthood. And the first one in the, Aaron, in the priesthood of Aaron, and, and just for sake of argument, Aaron was Moses' brother. That was the one who God established, the tribe of Levi. Then any priest who came in Israel after that was a direct descendant of Aaron. Aaron was the first priest of the Mosaic Covenant. And the last priest was John the Baptist. And John the Baptist lost his head. When God is serious about ending an order, he is serious about ending an order. John left no descendants. He had no children. When John the Baptist died, the priesthood of Aaron died with it. Now, if you choose to resurrect it, that's fine. But I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of work and not a lot of anointing in the priesthood of Aaron anymore. Mm. Um, number one, in the priesthood of Aaron, you have to go to the priest to get to God. In the priesthood of Melchizedek, God comes to you himself. Mm. In the priesthood of Aaron... Ties are paid out of obligation to fulfill the necessity of the law. In the Melchizedek priesthood, offerings are given out of a heart of thanksgiving and out of a heart of worship. You don't pay your tithes to Melchizedek. You give them to him. And you give an offering. 
the priesthood in the order of Aaron is a subject, subject to death. What that means is when Aaron died, his son took over. When Aaron's son took over, his grandson took over. It, it, on and on and on. It's like when our president, at, at the end of four years, he dies, <laughs> according to the election process. Now, if he gets elected again, that's good. But you have to go in, he, he will be the president again. But once that term is over, we elect a new one. Crowned heads of Europe, when Queen Elizabeth dies, Prince Charles, no matter how much he has misbehaved, is still the son in the house, and he will have the crown on his head if and when Mama goes to see Jesus. She's been around for a long time. And by the way, did any of y'all see that celebration last week of her 60th year? Hmm? Did you see that bunny? Was that some fireworks display or what? My goodness, man, they lit Buckingham Palace up like the 4th of July in America. <laughs> Whenever Mama dies, Charles will take over, then Prince William will take over. We'll see in the priesthood of Melchizedek, there's one priest that lives forever. He does not die. He still lives to make intercession for us. That's what Hebrew says. That is Jesus. We are kings and priests after the order of Melchizedek. And the priesthood of Aaron... Um, well, I've explained that. In the priesthood of Aaron, it was birthed through Aaron, and it ended with John the Baptist. The priesthood of Melchizedek has no beginning and no end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. In the priesthood of Aaron, there's daily sacrifices of animals, 24-7. There's the morning sacrifice. There's the evening sacrifice. In the priesthood of Melchizedek, there was one sacrifice, once and for all. And his name was our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And he is not dead. He is alive. Amen. Our God's not dead. He's surely alive. We're going to learn that song. <laughs> um, once and for all, he was the beginning and the end. He doesn't have to die anymore. He doesn't have to bleed anymore. It is finished. When Jesus bowed his head and said, it is finished, I believe that it is finished. Amen. Mm-hmm. Um, when the times I've been able to teach about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I, I would speak about the ending of John the Baptist. And I'd like to take you back to the day whenever, uh, yeah, he's cute. <laughs> I'd like to take you back to the day whenever John the Baptist brought Jesus and baptized him in the Jordan River. And you remember there was a verse that John declared. He said, I must decrease so that he may increase. This is not really a scripture about humility. What John was saying was that my priesthood and my authority is coming to an end. And I must start to pull out of the picture so that the new priesthood, the priesthood of Melchizedek, can come into the forefront. And the day that John baptized Jesus in the Jordan River, Jesus went down in that water, and he came up. And when John put his hands on him and he went in that water, the authority and the anointing shifted from John the Baptist onto Jesus. And from that point on, that's when the signs and wonders and miracles begin to happen. That's when Jesus entered his three and a half years of earthly ministry on this earth. That's quite a water baptism, don't you think? And it wasn't long after that that Herod got a hold of John the Baptist and he lost his life. I believe the enemy got in there. I don't really believe personally that I don't think it was the will of God for that to happen. But you know what? Nonetheless, John is up there as part of the great cloud of witnesses. Amen. And, uh, and he, is, uh, he, is, he is watching today saying, y'all go for it. You did it. You got it. You have the Holy Spirit today. Go for it. You're under a new priesthood. So when Jesus came up out of that water, that's where his earthly ministry began. And uh, for three and a half years, there was a great display of signs and wonders and miracles. I believe that what Jesus, what Melchizedek started with Abraham, 
that Jesus continued and fulfilled that day in that water and when he came up and then his ministry here on this earth. And I believe that he's still fulfilling it through us. See, if we believe, we are grafted into the seed of Abraham. That's what the word says. If we believe in the covenant and we believe that Jesus is our Lord and our Savior and we believe that it's counted, counted us for righteousness and that day when Abraham gave that offering and that anointing he received from Melchizedek, we join into that because we are the same heirs of salvation that Abraham was. Amen? Amen. Well, that's all I have today. Amen. I hope you learned something. Eric? Would you come up here and you're going to minister the elements to us? The body and the blood of our Lord and our Savior? We just speak blessings over Dorman and Wayne while we're on the road this morning. That they'll have a safe trip. And whatever revelation they receive, they'll come back and lay it on all of us. Amen? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.